This episode of Vintage Stormfront Freaks has been previously recorded. Tonight our guest is Greg Johnson, Storm Chaser and star of the Tornado Hunters TV series. Greg Johnson is one of America's top professional storm chasers and severe weather experts and is also an accomplished photographer speaker and workshop leader having graduated from canada's renowned acadia university with over 10 years of experience johnson enjoys chasing classic prairie and lightning storms tornadoes hurricanes blizzards and plans to continue traveling the world year-round to satisfy his appetite for capturing extreme weather greg was selected as one of canada's top 100 explorers by canada geographic magazine and to freelance on his bio a little bit he's a fine human being a really great photographer, and I'd like to say he's one of my favorite followers on Twitter. So, Greg, uh, back at you, Sander, back at you. <laughs> so, Greg, to awesome. get this started with the interview part of this, uh, just explain why storm chasing. There are a hundred different hobbies one could choose from or passions. What brought you to storm chasing? Well, I've always been a photographer, and when I um, moved to the Canadian prairies, like we're, if you go to Minot, North Dakota, and then you go about three hours north of that, that's where I live. And, and when I moved out here, I had never actually seen a real uh, honest-to-God thunderstorm any time in my life. And, uh, and then when I got to the prairies and saw my first thunderstorm, of course, I fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, I had a, a business doing wedding photography and, you know, baby photos. And, you know, hold on a second. I just had to get that taste out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and when I, and when I, I had this opportunity uh, back in 2010 to uh, to sell my business, and it gave me an opportunity. I basically bought a couple years of free time, and nice. uh, and I thought, you know what? What am I going to do? And and just the way things worked out, uh, my first year, uh, you know, chasing, you know, actually trying to make a living doing it uh, was 2010. It was a busy year. Uh, and then in 2011, of course, I was at Joplin and uh, Joplin was, uh, you know, for a lot of people, uh, myself included, it was a game changer and, and uh, uh, kind of took what I was doing, you know, as a, as a hobby, as a way to make a few bucks, it turned it into a career and uh, just right place, right time, I guess. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So why, why did you um go north to begin with into the prairie area we just you just wanted to go up there near the storms or what well actually i grew up in ontario uh, in eastern canada and um uh i moved out to the prairies for like totally unrelated reasons i, I moved out here for for the game of hockey oh, and wow. uh yeah my uh, the the whole hockey thing lasted just uh, a few years and didn't pan out and so i i moved on to photography and then uh, i guess the rest as they say is history Okay. I think a lot of people think of Canada, they don't think of thunderstorms. Yeah. And you know what? We get them just the same way. I, I always say that the, what you see in, in uh, West Kansas, in, in uh, um, you know, Western Nebraska, what you see there is exactly what we get. Uh, the only difference is our, our season is only about eight weeks long. And so, uh. Uh, you know, what, but what, when, when it happens on the Canadian prairies, believe me, it's every bit as photogenic every bit is dangerous, every bit, every bit is, you know, everything that you would expect in Oklahoma and Kansas. 
the difference is it's only a few weeks long, but no state, no chaser convergence ever, ever. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think what, are the, what are the road networks up there like? Well, that's the best part, Phil, is that, um, you know, frankly, and, and no, no offense intended to uh, the, the Western Plains, but uh, we have a better road network. Uh, hmm. We have, a, we have a, I think, a much better um, uh, uh, cell coverage. Wow. Uh, and you don't get, and, and you don't get, there's this thing that goes on and, and, uh, uh, Sandra, you'll know what I'm talking about when, when, when you're in a, a, a real well forecast chase day on the plains where there's, uh, you know, thousands of chasers all drawing bandwidth from those, uh, cell towers, mm-hmm. you literally at times can't even get onto Twitter. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, and when we come up here and when we're chasing up North, you don't get that convergence of chasers. And so pretty much anywhere we go in Western Canada, we can, uh, we can stream, we can access uh, weather data and all that kind of stuff. So it's actually a great place to chase. Uh, but, you know, because the season's so short, some years we have incredible storm seasons and other years we, we don't get much at all. Yeah, you know, the big thing with uh, chasing up there that I, I mean, you about the bandwidth, Phil, uh, Phil experienced that on May 26th this year down in Southern Oklahoma. And we just had a moment there where we lost bandwidth, but, the thing I've noticed about chasing up in Canada is that they the storms up there just have the landscape. I guess is just so green during the summer is the best way to put it. So they just contrast so well, both photographically. Greg, what what are what's your favorite storm chase ever in Canada? Like, what is the one that tops them all? Uh, well, we had uh, we had a big year in 2012 when we had uh, I think uh, if I remember correctly. I think there was more tornadoes in 2012 in, in Saskatchewan than they had in Oklahoma in, in, in 2012. And so we had some really good uh, photogenic tornadoes where we were, you know, super close. I'm saying within 200 yards um, and, uh, and we were able to live stream them. And so it was a, an incredible experience. Uh, uh, June 20 or sorry, July 24th. And that's the other thing too. We're much later in the season. So it's not like you have to make a decision whether we're going north or going south. Just, you know, that season moves north throughout the, the spring and yeah. summer. And uh, by the time July's rolled around, uh, all, all, of our, all of our American friends have run out of, <laughs> run out of cash for storm chasing. And so, <laughs> you know, or there's, uh, there's, there's Roger Hills and a few of the, the tour groups that come across the border, but uh, generally we're on our own. Hmm. So tell tell me a little bit, uh, Greg. If I think most people are starting to become more familiar with you because of the Tornado Trackers series, which now is on Netflix, and and I think people are catching that. I'm I'm seeing some people here uh, chatting in on YouTube uh, talking about that as well, and that they enjoy that. I guess give me a little background to how that came about. How'd you get that set up? Oh man, so uh, I, my I'm going to say my whole career. Uh, storm chasing has been sort of serendipity. It's all been about uh, being at the right place at the right time. In uh, in 2012, uh, we made this goofy YouTube video. And if you go to our channel, uh, you'll be able to find it. It was like a Rocky uh, training montage video, right? <laughs> Early spring. And, you know, we did the whole, you know, boxing rings thing and the whole deal. And uh, we ended up getting a phone call from a couple, couple production companies actually saying, you know, would we be interested in filming a TV show? So in 2013, 
we, uh, we filmed a, a few pilot episodes. And uh, the first episode that we were filming, again, just right place, right time, uh, was El Reno. And oh, uh, wow. yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, we ended up getting uh, hit by the tornado at El Reno. And we were on the south side. The, the video is quite impressive. There's a barn that literally explodes next to us flies over the truck and the whole thing. Well, we have a film crew on board filming a pilot episode of a TV show. Oh my gosh. Um, I think you're oh going to get it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, at that, at that point we said, Hey, if we don't get a TV show out of this experience, there's no tornado TV show to be had because yeah. I mean, this is the largest tornado ever recorded. You know, we, you know, all the, the drama that went on and, and, you know, the, the, the real scary downside, with twist X and, and uh, uh, you know, here we have a production crew. I mean, we thought we weren't going to get it maybe because he goes, Oh, whoa, whoa, hold on the a risk. second. Yeah. The risk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but as it turned out, it was uh, right place at the right time. And then, uh, you know, again, right after that uh, we're filming the first season and uh, we get the Pilger uh, twin tornadoes that you see on the screen behind oh. me. And uh, it's a great shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so at that point, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty much a done deal. And, uh, you know, we were pretty thrilled about uh, how everything went, but if any of you have had, actually had a chance to watch the show, I, the thing I'm most proud of is that it's not tornado after tornado after tornado. There's a lot of really shitty down days. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of making the wrong decision. And, you know, mm -hmm. instead of going north to Simla, Colorado, you know, we stayed south. The history will show that was a bad decision. So, uh, you know, so we do try to show that side of it as well. Yeah, it, it was. I agree. It was, Greg. It was a good um, a good depiction of the true life of a storm chaser, <laughs> which isn't always you get to see tornadoes all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and half the time it's at the end of the day and you're like, God, I got to make something out of this. Yeah. <laughs> storm that's now leaving yeah. i gotta get a lightning shot out of this or something right because greg what yeah, yeah. is that was that the most um dangerous position you've been in you think or have el you reno yeah oh by far i mean I've, okay. I've, i i can honestly say i've never felt once that my life was at risk other than in el reno and in el reno you know not, not just that our life was at risk. I mean, I felt really stupid to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, I think, I think anybody who was there that day who got into a nasty situation mm -hmm. kind of said to themselves, what the hell am I doing here? Like how, mm -hmm. like how did, how did I put myself in such a bad situation? We thought that we did everything right, you know, from our having our right access uh, to, to get to the storm, to being able to exit properly. We, we thought we did everything right. And, yeah, you weren't alone on that. There were other yeah. chasers, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess, and I mean, the, the, I, the, on the one side of it, there's a bit of a pride associated with, man, I've been inside the biggest tornado ever recorded. Um, on the other side of it is, I got four kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right? So, so how did you, did you, after that episode, did that happen, did you consider maybe changing careers? Or oh, that no. just one, not at all. Yeah, four no, kids. No. You know, I'll keep doing it. <laughs> oh my God! Listen, Kim, that that was uh, that was probably the the point where we went. 
oh my God, I gotta, I gotta get back there. You know, yeah. like that's, I gotta get to that spot again. And, and not, not so much, you know, in, in terms of El Reno, but, but just in terms of, uh, uh, the, anybody who's ever gone storm chasing knows the feeling where it can be a, a tube, you know, six miles in the distance in the dark that you only see when the lightning flashes, mm -hmm. but you're like, we got it right. Yeah. And, and I don't think outside of storm chasing, I don't think anybody can appreciate what goes in. Like, you know, you spend, you drive 800 miles in one day yeah. so that you, so you can see this, you know, dark cloud on the horizon in, in the lightning. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's an amazing feeling. And I know the rest of the world thinks we're idiots, but that's fine. <laughs> that's got to be a weird thing, though, to come out of the gate on your pilot episode with such a huge tornado. I mean, at one point, I would think, like, you're probably thinking, well, how do I keep going from here? I mean, you can't talk yeah, that. My, my, uh, yeah, up to that up to, yeah, up to that point, my favorite uh, storm chase had been uh, April 14th of, of 2012, and we were at uh, Great Bend, Kansas. And that tornado uh, was you know, I, I think photo, photogenically, you know, maybe one of the best that's ever been. Um, we followed that up in 2013 with El Reno and then 2014 we had Pilger and at the, at Pilger, you know, you, you go, okay, no, no, really. I want two of them on the ground yeah, at the same yeah. time. And yeah, that's never going to happen. And, uh, you know, just sort of see, and then 2016, I mean, Dodge city, Kansas, I don't know that it, Chris, does it get better than Dodge city, Kansas? Like, Ever? Well, I, I, I'm still bitter about that day since I was on TV duty and was not at Dodge <laughs> City. So oh. it does get better than Dodge City, Greg, because I've seen, no, I'm, I, I, <laughs> Dodge is the absolute top end of a storm chase you could have. It really is. It's like slow moving, multiple tornado after tornado, incredible. No, uh -huh. nobody so he just rubbed killed. it in. Thanks no, you know, no injuries, no, uh, you know, no critical damage or anything. It was great. Mm -mm -mm. So, so tell me, Greg, a little bit about what, so you're talking about El Reno, then you go to Pilger, Pilger, and then, and now you're like, okay, so what are we doing? And I heard you mention a little bit in the TV series, because this is the truth. We talked about this on one of our episodes is what, what do you as a storm chaser have to do to keep improving? Because the chasers are getting better. The video's getting better. The photography's getting better. Um, what's, what's your next step? of going, Hey, I got to take it up another level. What are you looking at for 2018? You know, I, I, you're, you're absolutely right about technology and stuff. I mean, I don't know that there's a whole lot more that you can do without, uh, doing uh, Niagara falls, put yourself in a barrel and go over the falls. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, actually, actually like purposely putting yourself in danger. All right. So let, let's get back to this. So Greg, I was just asking you about what, what are your plans for 2018? How are you going to up the game and compete with all the great photos and video and different kinds of equipment being used? Well, I mean, listen, I, I don't know that there's much more left out there to do other than, uh, you know, getting in the right spot and, and, and taking great pictures. I and mean, uh, we've converted to 4k video and, uh, I think a lot of people have done that and, and, you know, hopefully uh, great streaming opportunities. But at the end of the day, uh, we really don't have anybody to impress anymore other than, you know, impressing ourselves and, and, and mm -hmm. getting out there and, and getting great shots. I mean, it seems like every year, no matter what happens, there's, 
there's uh, there's wonderful shots to be had. But I don't know that there's like this new technology that's gonna you know change the world or change the game at all. But uh, still, 4K. I don't know. What about great. you, Chris? What are you gonna be doing? Uh, it's oh, 4K would look amazing. Yeah. Actually, uh, I honestly don't have any plans to change much from last year. So I'm just I'm keeping it steady as she goes. Nothing too new. So it's just the, as I've always said, the two things that will never change are telling good stories and showing great pictures. And if you can do both those things, you're going to be successful if you're creating content. So that's kind of the plan. That's the hope, at least. Create, keep creating great stories and good visual content. And hopefully people will dig it. Sounds hopefully. like a winner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, as far as content's concerned, uh, my goal every storm chase year is to get enough photos, get enough video that I can sustain myself through December, January, and February, <laughs> and, yeah. and and make it through to the next season with some with some uh, original content still. Good. So so tell us. So where are you at with the Tornado Hunters TV series? Is that still a thing um are there more than season one out there well we you know what we're on netflix now which is exciting and uh there's been discussions with netflix uh but i'll put it out there publicly on your show that uh, we don't have a deal yet for for season two so i mean we'll see don't know um always keep hoping every time the phone rings that that's what it's about is uh an opportunity for a new season, but so far we don't have any deal. Well, hey, Netflix is growing every day. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, I mean, and and it reaches it reaches a huge audience, and and uh, you know when we had the the, the on Netflix, uh, we had a good core audience, people that cared about the show, cared about us. But uh, as soon as it hit Netflix, it was really a game changer because there was this whole new group of people that. Um, I'm going to say weren't even storm fans. They were just, you know, they went on Netflix and saw trending and, uh, clicked on this, this goofy show about, uh, idiots driving after tornadoes and, uh, they, they seem to fall in love with it. So we're, we're hopeful that there's a, a good enough audience that they're going to want another episode or another season. All right. I'll be looking for it. I'm on Netflix yeah, all the time. All right. Netflix yeah. is great, though. You can see, like, you don't even need regular cable or satellite. You could just get Netflix. It's great. Yeah, right. Cheap yeah, and, and, the, and the thing is, you know, in the same way that, uh, I mean, I think we all use Netflix uh, and, and YouTube the same way that things that we didn't even know we were looking for. We find things that we didn't know we, we would care about. For a lot of people, that's what's happened with our show anyway. Great. Good luck. Here's, here's a question for you. Since you live in Canada, has it ever happened that you were chasing a tornado that crossed into the U.S. and you had to cross the border? <laughs> God, that would have taken forever. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? would have dissipated. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't catch the question. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. That's okay. Has it ever happened that you were chasing a tornado, let's say in Canada or maybe in the U.S. and it crossed the border? Yeah, and yeah. You went across the border with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? It happens all. It happens all the time, actually. And uh, uh, what's really cool is that at the border, um, we we of course need passports to get across. But during tornado season, especially when there's actual uh, physical tornado warnings in place, uh, border guards on both sides of the border just they look at the vehicle that we've been through there a thousand times, 
and they just literally will wave oh. us through. <laughs> That's oh, wow. scary too. That yeah. is scary. Yeah. God, we better not broadcast that. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> cut that. Let's cut that. <laughs> have Homeland Security after us. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Tonight we um, have Kim Cunningham. Now Kim is a motivational speaker and a communications coach for SpeechWorks, but you probably know her best from the Weather Channel. She's been on the Weather Channel for 25 years. She's got a 30-year um, career as a meteorologist. Um, she was the first woman to be used as a tropical, severe, and winter weather expert. And she was part of the Air Force. And uh, she was a forecaster and weather observer. And she specialized in severe and tropical weather. So, Kim, like if, if you have ever watched the Weather Channel, you would have seen Kim. <laughs> yes. It's, yes. Awesome. So, and she got to do like all the great stuff with being um, part of the expert team and the first woman uh, to really do that and, and be able to do all the uh, different topics, severe, tropical, winter. So Kim, it's so yeah. glad to have you. Um, no ooh, do you know what I don't know, Kim, yeah. is like, how did you ever get in the weather? Well, That's we have to go question. back, and I know some of you guys are from um, Ohio, and I'm a big Ohio State fan, but I will say I am for right now. Um, I, I don't know, you guys probably remember back in the 70s, well, you guys probably don't because you're too young, no. but the 74 outbreak, Thank you. super outbreak. <laughs> That is um, where I got my start, but I actually, and a lot of you guys probably love The Wizard of Oz, just like yes. I do, and that tornado is still, to me, the best tornado scene ever, no matter, you know, <laughs> Twister, all these other movies, I swear, The Wizard of Oz tornado, which was a rug, by the way. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, no it's, it's a rug, and it's not very, it's not very accurate. Well, <laughs> oh, what a poo -poo Shag. the millennial poo poo in that whole time. So, following watching that tornado, I just I was amazed and just in awe and just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Even though it scared me, I wanted to learn more about tornadoes and and then I actually got to see the uh, F five that hit Cincinnati back in 1974. Wow! So that um, that came within nice. about two miles of my parents' house, and we wow. were in the basement praying and crying and we could hear it um we didn't actually get hit by it but we had a lot of debris in our yard and we had softball size hail before it so it was really traumatic but it was to me exciting you know my family they were scared they they you know thought it was horrible i thought it was horrible too but at the same time i was i was i don't know i was I was in awe and wanted to learn more about tornadoes and at that moment decided, hey, there's actually a career where you can study tornadoes. So that's what I decided to do back in 1974. And, and I set my path since, the, you know, at that point, I took all the math and science courses I could in high school, nice. joined the Air Force because I wrote to some meteorologists um, in Cincinnati and uh, they were all men. And I said, hey, how'd you guys get your you know, degree or how'd you get your start in meteorology? And they, one guy wrote me back, Mike Fenwick, and he said, I actually got it through the Air Force. And so that's what I did. I joined the Air Force and got my <laughs> training in the Air Force. And then I went on to get my degree in meteorology from Creighton University when I was stationed at Offutt Air Force Base. And then after Wait, that, I went to the Weather Channel. Creighton, Nebraska, Creighton? Yes, Creighton. I used to live out there too. I used to live out there too. I grew up in oh, Omaha. Very cool. Oh. 
Yeah, I loved I loved Omaha. I mean, I yeah. thought Omaha was a cool little town. You know, the, the old market area. Got some good steaks. Great steaks. Got some great good steaks. steaks. The steaks are great. Yeah, I <laughs> love the steaks. Great. I love it there. Of course, I tornado faced when I was out there too, so it was even better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God, that's so awesome. What was the job market like when you um, graduated or actually uh, left the Air Force? That's that's a good question, Jen. Because when I decided I had like a, I had like six months left in the Air Force and I just graduated college and I thought, okay, what do I do? I'll send out some resumes. Do I reenlist in the military? I'll have to move around again. Or do I, you know, get feelers for, you know, the, you know, the civilian world. So I sent out resumes and there, and back then, don't forget, we didn't have internet. That's true. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have anything other than you looked in the paper, um, you looked through the AMS, you know, um, journals or whatever to see who was hiring. And I remember I sent applications to Australia. Wow. <laughs> and actually that's a balloon, awesome. A balloon oh my company, gosh. A balloon company. Somebody that they set up balloons. I mean, it was, there was, there was not much. Yeah. So I, the weather channel had just started maybe a few years before that. And mm -hmm. of course I was mesmerized. I watched it all the time. You know, Cheryl Lemke, you know, she was somebody I watched all the time. And of course, Cantori. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to send them one. I'm going to send them a resume. So I did. And they immediately called me and brought me in for an interview and said, mm -hmm. hey, we want you to start here. And I said, okay, well, I still have six months left wow. in the Air Force. But they actually talked to my commander. They went through the higher ranks and they let me out early wow. to go work at the Weather Channel. Oh, wow. my God. That's awesome. But That's there, so there cool. wasn't much. There was not much out there. And if you try to get an on-camera job, it was even more difficult right out of college. So, yeah. you know, National Weather Service, I thought, eh, I did, you know, I did military. I did government work, you know, for nine years. Do I want to go the National Weather Service route? I, I really, I, it was an option. But I, at that moment, was like, yeah, I want to try something different. Wow, so when are you going so back awesome. to the, when are you going back to the Air Force for the last six months you owe them? <laughs> I kept waiting for that. They never forget. <laughs> uh oh, she's gonna get a call tomorrow. Yeah. I know. So oh, hey, so, uh, since you're on the Air Force, um, one of your roles, Kim, had something to do with like you covered, you forecasted the entire Southern Hemisphere. Is that yeah. right? Yes. So what? So I guess tell me a little bit. What did that include? What did you have to do every day? And, and who was that helping? What was the purpose of that? Well, that's when I worked at Global Weather Central at Offutt Air Force Base. And I was in the tropical weather section and we were responsible for the tropics. So basically 25 North all the way through the Southern Hemisphere. Wow. So we were responsible for looking at tropical weather, basically thunderstorms. We were looking for um, Tropical systems, typhoons, hurricanes, whatever. We had to we had to monitor that area, and give information to like the uh, Joint Typhoon Warning Center in Guam. So we were we were kind of like the watch agency. We would put out a product every day that would um, indicate areas of thunderstorms for like say if some of our planes were flying over the ocean trying to get somewhere. They would know where the thunderstorms were. Because remember back then we didn't have the data we have today. We yeah. literally, this is no lie, we literally analyzed satellite data on film over a light table. No, yes. wow. That's wow. how we did it. And then we forecasted it out. 
Wow. So that's how we did it back then. <laughs> I was wondering what kind of data you had back there and what you what had what you had available to you in the Air Force. Yeah. That, yeah. Just, so it's just satellite data? Just, just satellite data back then. That was wow. it. And then SSMI wow. data, microwave imagery, was just becoming uh, it was really coming into fruition and just becoming we were doing research on that. So that's when you started using microwave imagery to actually look at tropical systems and to see, we could tell the wind speeds because of the actual foam that was on top of the water from how strong the winds were. So that was all starting to happen too at the same time, but it was mainly just looking at just regular GOES-8 satellite data and, and <laughs> forecasting it out, just moving it forward or um, you know, just trying to make a good forecast. But we actually did pretty good. Wow. Kim, I, I heard that if you miss a forecast at Global Weather, you like lose rank, which is why I didn't go in, by the way. <laughs> Is that true? You know, they, they, you know, I wish, well, I wish they were still around, but they're not, they're, they're really not that entity anymore there, but they were pretty, they were pretty hard on us because they had to be, because we were responsible for multi-million dollar aircraft and ships. And so they had to be tough on us. Wow. That's crazy. Did you, what, what kind of training with the camera? Uh, for on camera? Yeah. I had none. Is that something you always, yeah. And the Weather Channel, I was there for six years, well, actually probably four years before they asked me if I wanted to try the apprentice program where they actually assigned a mentor and I would work with them, you know, on the weekends or whenever I could. And I would just go in front of a camera and record and then present it to my supervisor who would look at it and say, well, we don't think you're ready just yet because they mm -hmm. wanted me on camera. And I thought, well, I've done nine years military i've done six years behind the scenes i was a senior meteorologist the weather channel i've gone as far as i could without getting into higher management and i thought this might be a good transition for me to, to do something where i'm communicating the weather so when they offered that i thought yeah i'm going to try that so i worked hard i worked on the weekends and uh they finally let me in the apprentice program which i was on at two o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and i would work <laughs> like a 10-hour shift and then you know how it is, you guys, when you want something, you do it. Yeah. And I thought, okay, yeah. I'm going to do this. And I worked hard for 10 hours, the meteorologist behind the scenes, and then uh, practiced and went in front of the camera at two o'clock in the morning uh, with Dave Schwartz. Oh, Dave. Oh my God. Yes, he was my mentor. And um, we just had a blast. And I just learned so much from him on communicating the weather. So that's how it started. And then they eventually hired me full time in 97 to go from behind the scenes to in front of the camera and so, that's a very good local so i'm going to throw in a listener or viewer actually question here uh, online from uh, barry gray says who was your favorite on-air co-host uh, <laughs> answer that come on you're not working there anymore come on i'm still friends with a lot of people there but i will tell you this here <laughs> i will tell you that I enjoyed working with every single person there. And Dina will tell you, and Jen will tell you, mm -hmm. most of the people there, I would say 90% of the people there are top-notch, fun professionals. And every person I worked with, I thought it was pretty flexible. I was able to work with a lot of different people and we both were able to draw out the good things in each other. And I just feel like, I don't know if I could actually say I had a, one favorite person. But I do think um, 
there were so many good people that I could say most of them were my favorites. I don't know. I liked working with everybody. Thanks, Congresswoman. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Hey, Kim, because you said when you started yeah. there, Cheryl Lemke was on. So how many women? I think maybe, what, Vivian Brown? How many women were there on camera? Um, when I started there, now that all these people, you probably won't know that they left soon after I got there. So... Uh, Lisa Spencer was one. I don't know if you remember Lisa Spencer, mm -hmm. uh, Janetta Jones, Janetta, yep, Sharon Result, and Christina Abernathy. There were there were you know probably six or seven that were on camera at the time. Hmm. Wow, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It wasn't. It was really. Um, and what's really amazing too is that Lisa Spencer was probably like the first woman on national television who was pregnant. I mean, that actually showed. <laughs> you know, went through her pregnancy on TV. Good for her. Um, and then after that, you know, we all wow. were pregnant with twins. <laughs> twins. <laughs> that just started it all. Yes. Oh yes. Well, let, so hey, Kim, while we're I on that topic, Kim, I, I yeah. want to ask you, um, because I, I think, you know, you're, you're a good role model uh, for women in television meteorology. Um, what, I guess, what were some of the challenges from women meteorologists in TV when you were starting in the industry compared to what you think they are today? Are they better, worse, the same? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I know. I just lost my earbud. Um, I think when I first started, again, when I went to the Weather Channel, as I just, you know, we talked about, there were already like five or six women on camera. Mm -hmm. And so I was impressed actually at the time that there were that many women already on camera. Um, in the male dominated field. So, and I felt like they got equal, tre equal treatment um, from what I could tell because I wasn't actually on camera when I first got there. But I do think it's come a long way. And I think just the fact that I was actually, um, you know, able to be on TV as, and use my skills as a, a tropical severe weather specialist um, has come a long way too, but I do think it's come a long way. And I, and even at the, and when I was in the air force, it was the same thing where when I first started, there weren't many women at all in the military for one, two, being in a science field in meteorology, there weren't many either. So when I left the air force, there definitely was an increase in number of women. That's awesome. Yeah. So Kim, what's your, so I've had the privilege of working with Kim. I was her weather producer um, for some of the time while she was there. And she is just a badass meteorologist, just to say yeah. that, because yeah. she really is. Whoa. So Whoa. <laughs> just because we're live now doesn't mean you can all go crazy, all right? <laughs> like, sometimes we would have like an eight, nine minute block to fill. And she yeah. just was like, I've got this. This is ain't no thing and she brushed her shoulder off and she would go on air um and and, and you were amazing <laughs> um and you're amazing oh, kim oh you um, too i mean for but, what you guys do behind the scenes i mean we have to talk about that too because i mean if you guys only knew what what these people have to do behind the scenes to keep us to give us information to be able to talk about i mean you guys are amazing you and dina and everybody else behind the scenes so we couldn't have done it without you guys that's for sure thanks yeah, kim but, yeah thanks you know kim. you're amazing but so what's your favorite weather is it tropical or oh, is it i was gonna like... ask that question dang it <laughs> <laughs> um it, it's severe you know I, I i have to say i love tropical weather i love it all but um 
yeah. severe just because it started out with tornadoes. And, and actually at one point, I, my goal was to be a research meteorologist in tornadoes and to find out why tornadoes form. That was a big thing for me. So it, and you know, after I left the weather channel, I thought, you know, maybe I'd go back to school. You know, I had all these thoughts about what I was going to do, but, um, but I signed a different chapter in my life, but yeah, definitely severe tornadoes, yeah. uh, hail, all that stuff is, is my favorite. That, that gets my adrenaline going the most. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Me too. Did Kim, you what, ever what get it? What kind of steered you? Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, Brady. <laughs> okay. What? Because I because I think there's a lot of people that are deciding between going to National Weather Service, going to research, or going to TV. What kind of steered you away from research and National Weather Service? You know, what were some of the the signs you saw in your own head that were like, I want to do this, and this is what I want to do? Well, um, I think you know what happened was I think the path that I took initially, starting out in the Air Force. And that, I thought, well, I'll try to go to college. And it was hard trying to get my degree anywhere because, for one, back then there weren't many meteorology schools. So I had to, I had to make my way yeah. to a college or an Air Force base that was near a college where I could actually go to school. And I was very fortunate uh, when I went to, um, I was in forecasting school at Shooting Air Force Base. And they said, okay, who, whoever has the highest GPA at the end of forecasting school, you get to pick what air force base you want to go to oh so you know everybody's you know they're, they're trying hard to get the highest gpa because they want to be stationed you know at, at long maybe myrtle beach area they want to mm. go to you know um the destin area and i was like i want to go to off at air force base in the <laughs> that's <laughs> right <laughs> i said no because Creighton University is there and they've got it. They have a uh, program in um, atmospheric science. So I worked hard and I actually got the, the highest GPA and picked off at Air Force Base. So they did offer a master's degree there. But again, I came to that crossroads where I thought, oh, you know, I don't know what I want to do. Do I, you know, try this? Do I, I don't know. So it just something told me at the moment not to go that yeah. route. So I okay. honestly don't know. Yeah. If um, if it was anything other than what came up at the moment, you are still a Nebraska yeah. Cornhusker fan, aren't you? <laughs> no, I do. I do root for them when I can. I actually Thank went you. to one of their games, and that I was amazed at that. You know, there was just unbelievable. I was the only one that was wearing black. Everybody else had red on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you started black shirts, didn't you? Wasn't that you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nobody gets that unless you're a Nebraska fan. Thanks. All right. Oh. <laughs> that, went, that went right over my head. Yeah. yeah. I know. So, Kim, did you ever get to fly into hurricanes or anything tropical no, systems? No. You know, when I, this was the bummer too, because when I became a sergeant, when I got promoted to a sergeant, I had the opportunity to actually, before that, to fly with the hurricane hunters to actually go and work there because back then they actually used um, non, not, um, airmen. Okay, nice. they didn't use non-commissioned officers. So I, at one point, was able to rank-wise go fly with the hurricane hunters, but I made rank, I made staff sergeant, and at that time they weren't allowing NCOs or non-commissioned officers to to fly or to go with the the hurricane hunters they were taking only commissioned officers 
So um, that's where it all changed for me. So I was like, okay, I can't do it. But I wanted to. Yeah. That's one thing I, I, I didn't do, and I never really have been through a hurricane. So, you yeah. know, maybe that I would change my mind about what I love mm. better, hurricanes. Or <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. That's very true. I've never actually, like, chased a hurricane. You don't really chase it. You just get to a location and let it come to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like taking a charge in basketball. You just <laughs> yeah. let it blow you over. Exactly. Oh. And, and I don't know if I would like that or not. Like I would get sick of it after 30 minutes and I'm like, I'm stuck. I can't get out. It's a hurricane. And then you're right. there for some right. Yeah. With no power, no food, no water. There's, yeah. yeah there, it wouldn't, that would not be a five day There's chase. There's water. It's just in your living room. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So since we're talking storms, Kim, I'm curious, what, what are some of your favorite or, or it maybe sometimes shouldn't say favorite because they can be very devastating, right. but as far as storms, what were some of the, the biggest storms or best storms that you remember covering? Oh, my gosh. Well, we'll, st we'll start out with, um, well, with the Weather Channel anyway, with um, Hurricane Andrew, because I had only been at the Weather Channel for a year. So I was working behind the scenes, and John Hope, uh, that was, that was uh, quite a night. And I remember just seeing how scared John Hope was. And when I saw him scared, I knew that this was going to be really bad. So Andrew mm -hmm. is definitely in my mind. Um, of course, super storm Sandy, um, which we all lived through. And, uh, and that was an amazing, amazing storm. Um, I actually, this is kind of a, a, a neat piece of trivia, you know, um, Norman, Oklahoma or more Oklahoma has been hit by, you know, at least three, F5 or EF5 tornadoes. I was on the air every time they got hit by an F5 or EF5. Wow. Wow. That's scary. No, I can't bad every time. <laughs> so that one is a biggie, especially the, um, let's see, it was 99. Yeah, Mason, where yeah. The 99 one was the big one. And I was, uh, that was the first time I was on the air at the Weather Channel. And we were, it was the first time we actually had it, that, that we were showing a live tornado. And I remember going on the air, looking at a radar and seeing the hook and talking about it. And then looking over, because I'm looking at the monitor, it's like, oh my gosh, there it is. And it was just a weird connection. It's like you never really saw the connection between the real thing that you're seeing live and then the actual radar. Mm -hmm. So that was a moment in, in, in my life that I'll never forget either. It's like seeing it, seeing the radar return. It was just kind of an amazing, an amazing thing to see as a meteorologist. So that was yeah. that was horrifying. And then the other last one they had was also um, horrible because Kelly Cass and I were on the air with that one uh, when the school got hit. Mm. And um, just when they panned back and showed this huge monstrous, you know, EF5 tornado just took our breaths away. And it just was it was just reminded me of the 99 tornado. And I knew then it was like when you see that big old wedge like that you know people are dying you know it's horrible and it's it's awful so so the more tornadoes definitely um gosh there were so many i mean over 25 years what about um, katrina yeah. how was that it was huge katrina that whole year i was working first outlook i was on early in the morning from like 4 to 7 a.m and it seemed like rita uh, Wilma, maybe, and I know uh, Katrina all hit right when we made landfall, right when we were getting off work, Nick Walker and I. And so we kind of brought it in and then we left when it made landfall. But Katrina was, you know, absolutely horrible. Um, 
just you know, just especially living that afterwards and seeing, staying at, mm-hmm. stay at the weather channel for a long time mm-hmm. after I got off work. Cause who can leave when that's happening? Yeah. And when we were getting reports about the levees, then your heart started sinking. You're like, oh, maybe we made it through the worst of it. Then we're like, oops, there go the levees. Yeah. And that's when it all started. And you know, that's mm-hmm. when really the weather channel, I think, you know, we shine a lot, but that was, you know, seeing Stephanie and Jim and that is all those people out there during Katrina was just yeah. um, just an amazing thing to see these, you know, these guys out there and helping people too. I think that's yeah. the one time too, like, um, cause I was there with you, yeah. but yeah, that you saw the after, like we stayed for a long time afterwards. Right. Like you saw the aftermath and you kept seeing the aftermath and it, you thought it got worse and then it got worse and then it got more worse. And I think that was a big, that was a big life changer for me. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. That was, you know, and then Rita after, you know, it's just one after another. That was an, um, that was an incredible year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole year was just, um, we were exhausted. Everybody yeah. was exhausted, exhausted. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was quite a year, but that's yeah. the first, the only time I ever remember us getting in the names with the uh, Greek letters. Yes. Yeah. And it going into the next year, like, mm-hmm. uh, didn't we January? go in January? Yeah. January. I'm like, oh my God. So what, uh, Kim, what's, what's keeping you busy today? What what are you up to and and what are your plans here in the future? Well, of course I keep my hand in weather as much as I can, you know, still checking the models and all that. Um, But I, you know, kind of making a change and went with uh, more of a communication, helping people uh, communicate better, especially if, if they're in a situation where they have to present in front of a committee or in front of their peers. So I work for this company called SpeechWorks and we work and work one-on-one with people or we actually work in groups and just, you know, coach them and try to get them to be better persuasive speakers. And it's very fascinating. What I love about it really is that I work with so many different companies like Coca-Cola, Home Depot, and some of their executives and, you know, higher management, and you get to hear what's going on in these companies. I mean, it's just really fascinating. I learned so much about these companies. But of course, I love weather and miss weather. And but it's just you know, it's it's working for me right now. So you know, you know what it sounds like. It sounds like you need some kind of weather outlet, like a podcast, to be a part of, where you Ooh, can talk yeah. weather every couple of weeks. Do you know of any? Wait, Phil, Phil, what's a podcast? (laughs) I would love to, you guys, anytime. Thank you for tuning in to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. You can watch our bi-weekly show live on youtube.com slash stormfrontfreaks and download the audio version on your favorite podcast player. For links to our Patreon team of exclusive benefits, show notes, past shows, new videos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our interactive chaser radar from our friends at zoomradar.com. If you'd like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.